for what you did among us, among our students this past week, Lord. Father, we pray that you would continue to soften our hearts and cultivate us, oh God. God, I pray that right now that that you would just speak to our hearts. So right now, this is your opportunity to pray. Don't just listen to me pray. So take a moment right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you right at your point of need. So just ask the Holy Spirit to stir my affections for Jesus this morning. Stir my affections for you, O oh God. Open my spiritual eyes and my spiritual ears. Gospelize my heart, soul, and mind this morning, oh God. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as y'all can tell, we went to camp this past week. And somebody asked you a question. How many of y'all, raise your hand, did you ever, have you been to a Christian camp before? You went for a camp, went for a week. So you know that when you go to camp, man, there's like a spiritual high. We got a bunch of our, our students setting up here at the front this morning. And man, we had a wonderful experience this past week. However, what happens lots of times is whenever you come back from camp, you'll see up here, and by the way, Aston did all the illustrations for us this morning, so everything you see is that we can get choked out by the world because it's like this. It's a, there's, a, there's a principle in the Bible called the, it's the, the devil after the dove. So whenever Jesus, whenever he was baptized, he was there at the River Jordan. It said the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove over him. And there's a wonderful moment when Jesus was baptized. And then it says the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So it's like every time we're on a high mountaintop, you see the, the, um, the apostles, Peter, John, John, and James, they were up on the mountain with Jesus, and they saw him transfigured into his heavenly state. And then after that, it said they came down off the mountain, and when they came off the mountain, then Jesus found the rest of his disciples were arguing with the religious leaders. They were having a fight over a demon-possessed boy. The devil after the dove principle. So here's what I got to say to you guys this morning. Very possibly... Many of you, if not all of you, since you've got home from camp, you have experienced some hard times already, maybe in your family, maybe among some of the guys that are sitting around you right now, people that were there at camp, you have experienced something to try to deflate, try to choke the spiritual life, try to take that wonderful experience you had as you come back into the world and try to diminish it and to make you think something different happened than really did. No, no, wait, just I'm going to remind y'all of one thing, that we know God moved. And here's how we know God moved, because if you remember, when we got in that room after that church service, all the junior high boys were quiet, and that is a miracle of God right there. <laughs> we experienced that firsthand, so that's how you can never deny that, that we know God. So let's talk about a few things. We're, we're out of the book of Acts. For those of y'all that are here every Sunday, and we're always going verse by verse. We pulled out of Acts this Sunday because it's a special Sunday for us. So I want to, before we get into this, understanding, you know, what are we up against about the, 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 the world choking the spiritual life out of us? So what are we up against here? So let's look at a few verses to start off with. 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So first thing we're going to see right here about getting choked out by the world is we've got to be careful about loving the world. We'll talk about this some more. What does that mean? When I, how do I know if I'm loving the world? It goes on, it says, for all that is in the world, look at this, all 
Not just some things. I'm just, listen, listen, let's just be faithful to the text this morning. What does the text say? It says, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh. That means your flesh is your sin nature. That is your natural inclinations. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride. So I'm thinking about Eve when she saw the forbidden fruit there. It said that she saw the fruit, she, the, the desire of her eyes, she saw that it was good, something to make her wise, the pride of life, the, the desires of her flesh. Everything appealed to her right there in that forbidden fruit when she, when she took it, and right there at that moment, this thing will give me pleasure. I will feel better when I eat this. And as a result, man, it messed up all of us for all time, and that is what temptation does to every single one of us. Right in the moment, it's something that is desirable, something that is pleasurable, but the long-term effect, the consequences, is it destroys us. So interesting. Listen, this biblical principle applies to all areas of our life. If, if you, you think about something, diet, proper diet and exercise hurts in the moment. We call that discipline. But the long-range, long-range movement of this right here is that it develops us. And then, then whenever we, we, we get things that are sinful and destructive right there in the moment, we feel better when we do that, but then it destroys us long-term. Bible study and prayer. I mean, none of us, our flesh, for none of us, our flesh do not desire. We don't wake up in the morning as our flesh is like, let's go pray and worship God and study the Bible. It's quite the opposite. It's painful. But it, that develops us. And then Jeremiah 17, 9, the world tells you to follow your heart. Here's what the Bible says about your heart. It says that the heart is deceitful. Man, mm, my heart is constantly working to deceive me. I mean, one of the hardest things I would say that for me as a Christian is determining whether this is a Holy Spirit leading me, prompting me, or if this is my heart trying to mislead. And the heart's like always got all these really interesting maneuvers to make me think this is the right thing. And then I get there and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when the world tells you to follow your heart, just know this, that does not come from your Bible. And then, I'm going to talk about the devil here for just a moment before we get into understanding this a little more. This is whenever, we're talking about that devil after the dove principle. This is whenever the devil led Jesus out in the wilderness. And this is one of the temptations that he gave to him. Look at this. I want you to see that there's a very important principle for you to understand. We're talking about the devil trying to tempt you. Here it is. It says this. It says, so he took him, so he took Jesus up, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, he said, I will give you their splendor and all their authority because it has been given over to me. You see, when Adam and Eve, see, they had kingdom authority. When they ate the forbidden fruit, they forfeited that. Over to the devil. The devil's got it now. Now he has kingdom authority to an extent over the world that you live in. Because it has been given to me, and I can give it to any politician, to any musician, to any entertainer, to anybody in this world that I want to. Hey, everything in the world, let me tell you something. Don't think for a moment that all those beautiful movie stars haven't got something going on in the inside. 
Don't think for a moment that a lot of that music that you listen to, that you enjoy in the moment, those movies you watch at the moment, in the moment they, they entertain you, make you feel good, those video games, whatever it may be, don't think for a moment that those things can't be demonically in charge. And here's what they do. They come, and then they ultimately make you unhappy and destroy you. Some of you are sitting in here this morning, and you struggle with your thought life. Whenever you saw the pictures of the students coming up and we were sitting on the stage and we put a chair out there and they would come up and sit in the chair and in here is, listen, I'm going to tell you something, students. One of the things the first night that y'all did that that really struck me was that almost, I don't know if you saw, it's a common thread. Almost all of you that sat in that chair said you struggle with your thought life. Let me tell you something. That's true for everybody in here. We all do. And, and I think that one of the things that, that all of us all understood was is that we've been hiding stuff in the dark, and we were surprised to see that so many other people are struggling with the same things that we struggle with. And I'll tell you, adults, something. These kids brought stuff out into the light, and it was a wonderful experience for them to bring the stuff that they'd been hiding in the dark because they live in a culture that is highly judgmental in a culture that is filled with gossip, and they've been afraid. See, listen, the devil wants you to be afraid to share, to share your struggle, because I'm afraid that somebody else is going to judge me. And, and, and listen, they will. They will judge you. But see, here is what you've got to get to. You've got to get to the point to where you don't care if other people judge you. Their judgments are wrong. There's only one judgment that matters, and that's God's judgment. Amen. That's the only judgment that's right. And what does God's judgment say about us? That when we're in Christ, it says that we are dearly loved, that we are forgiven, that we are in Christ, that we have a Father that loves us beyond measure, that cares deeply for us. Regardless of the circumstances of what I experience in this life, that he is a good, good Father. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who is the little G God of this world, he's been given authority by forfeit from Adam and Eve, who is the little God of this world. Has, this is important for all of us to get this morning. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They don't believe the gospel, so their minds have been blinded. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. That's the gospel. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Listen, this morning as we go through this, we've got to grasp this and understand this, is that this, this demonically in charged world that you live, infused world that you live in, by and large, there is many, most people don't understand the gospel. And it's, listen, I would say, and even most religious people sitting in churches this morning don't understand the gospel. It's a very religious thing. That they're doing, it's all just an act. It's an outward act. And listen, this outward act is about me being good, then turns me, it's going to do one of two things. It's going to make me prideful. I'm at the point where I'm very religious and very prideful and very judgmental of everybody else. Or if it's all about being good, then I'm going to get on this other side, this other spectrum, and be like, I'll never measure up. I'm not good enough and live under condemnation and think, I can't even go to church. So that's what that being good that works-based righteousness is what it's called. 
it's going to divide us and push us to one end of the spectrum to the other. So here we are. Our world, our, our hearts are desperately wicked. We've got natural receptors to the world, the flesh, and the devil. We just read 1 John and, and Luke 5, 7. So we see this, that you know, our heart's inclination, it's, it's naturally going to be plugged in to these. That, that's our flesh right there. That's why we can't follow our heart. That's why whenever we see the evil, worldly, entertainment, whatever it is, we are drawn to it naturally by our flesh. <laughs> listen, I'm going to get up here this morning and go, oh, listen, you know, all that stuff, it's bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, all those things. It's all. Your flesh is arguing with me right now, as a matter of fact. Your flesh is saying, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's fun. We like this. This is good. Everybody's doing it. You deserve this. All those, all those things out there. Now listen, I'm not going to argue with your flesh. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit is going to transform your heart. Because when this heart gets transformed right here, nobody has to put you on a guilt trip. Nobody has to do anything to try to, to make you, manipulate you into doing right. Because then we've gone to works righteousness and we make a bunch of mean, religious, judgmental people. And I don't want any of that. Had enough of that. So Jesus right here says one day, Jesus went out on the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds, listen, large crowds in the Bible are not good. I know in church we want large crowds, but in the Bible they're usually negative connotation. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, man, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Do you feel like you're withering away spiritually today? Uh, see, here's the one we're going to talk about today. The other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. We'll get to it in just a moment. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times that was sown. Let anyone who has ears, what? I thought everybody's got ears. Let anyone who has ears listen. What does he mean by that? What he's talking about if anybody has spiritual ears. It's because, see, after he gets through telling all these parables, the disciples pull him aside and they say, Lord, you know, when the crowds come up, we've got thousands of people out here that are listening. Why do you preach in parables? They can't understand the parables. And listen, so Jesus, if you go back earlier in Matthew, Jesus is preaching salvation by grace, but the crowds are rejecting him. So as they reject him, the judgment against them is for him to preach to them in parables that they can't understand. And then he'll pull aside the disciples and the ones that are following him that their hearts are turned towards him. And he'll explain the parables to them so they'll understand it because they've got the ears to hear. So then let's go to the explanation. This is what we're going to focus in on today. So he's going to so Jesus is telling the disciples, I'll explain it to you now. He says, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone who Anyone, and you'll notice every one of these is hears. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. We just saw that in Corinthians that the, that the little G God of this world has blinded their eyes to the gospel. 
And that's what he's saying right here. And the one sown on rocky ground, this one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Man, what a wonderful week we had at camp. I mean, just filled up with joy, so excited, man. That was great. Or, or what a great revival. What a great church service we had. Man, that was a great preacher. Or listen to this sermon on YouTube. What, receive it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress, when people start gossiping about me, when people start talking about my testimony behind my back, People start talking about the things I shared at camp, and now it hurts my feelings. That's the distress. When, when that gets me at that point, when the persecution comes, oh, yeah, you call yourself a Christian, and yeah, you go off to that camp, and you think now you're not going to come hang out with us anymore? Immediately he falls away. Don't be the one who falls away. But let me tell you something. you got to get this, guys. Look at me. Look up here at me, you guys. This isn't you being strong. This is about God, you allowing God to be strong in and through you. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, you are not strong. I am not, none of us are strong enough. We can't do it. It's only God's power in and through us. Now the one sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word. Ah, but the worries. Ah, listen, you adults in here. (laughs) There's another strain of COVID, the Delta. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's it's, it's spreading among our people. It's going, it's spocking. Is there any worries in this world today? Man, I mean, it's like unemployment's crashing. The economy's going bad. I mean, it's just all coming unraveled right now. Is there any worries in this world today? (laughs) The world is great at passing out worries. Let me just tell you all something right quick, okay? We talked about this when COVID-19 came out, and we all shook our heads like this when we were in church. This would not be the last COVID. Go back and look at world history. Every time something like this happens, there's always these variants that come off after it. We shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. But look at this. Listen, here's what you got to understand. Nothing in this world happens without first getting God's approval. And if you live under the kingdom authority rule of Jesus, if you choose to live there, then nothing comes into your life without first going through his hands. And if it goes through his hands and it comes into your life with great meaning and purpose, so listen, those of you in here who say, man, that's where I live, I live under the kingdom authority of Jesus, then you should not be stressing right now. You should not be worried right now. You should not be feeling like my life has just come undone. Because it never comes undone as far as God's concerned. He's always got it under control. Even when it feels like everything is unraveling in your life, he has still got it right where he wants it. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Man, you got to pay those bills. Got to get that promotion. You got to work more. It'll choke the word. It'll choke the life right out of you. It will choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Go read John chapter 15. You're taking notes, write that down, John 15. Go read that. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. 
It talks all about us bearing fruit in John chapter 15, that, that the Father's joy will be made great in the fact that we are bearing fruit. How do we bear fruit? We don't do any. We just let God, we abide in God, and he works through us. The fruit comes from him, not from us. Look at this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. or gratitude. So I want to ask you something. How do you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? That's weird language to us today. We don't use that kind of language today when we're talking to people like that. I mean, we put on clothes, but we don't put on somebody else. We don't put on another person or something. What does it mean by put on the Lord Jesus Christ? The Greek word right there for put on is endeo. Endeo right here means taking on the characteristics or the virtues or the intentions. So let me, let me read it with that in mind because that's a hard Greek word to translate over into English. So Take on the characteristics and the virtues and the intentions of the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Does that make more sense that way? That's what it means to put on. So whenever you're doing it here, you're putting on his intentions, his characteristics, his virtues, and his intentions. So the Bible refers to salvation like this. Over 100 times the Bible uses this terminology. In Christ Jesus. It's positional. It's me positioning myself in Christ Jesus. It's not my performance, it's my position. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Good, because this is vital to us understand. This is me taking my place in Christ. So when I do that, that heart being transformed, it changes my intentions. Can anybody testify this morning that the Holy Spirit's changed your intentions? It changes my characteristics. It changes my virtues. Because apart from Christ, man, my heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked and it will mislead me every time finally Ephesians 5 6 10 through 18 Paul's wrapping up the book of Ephesians and he's going to give them one last thing this is what you got to do finally listen whenever you're coming home from camp and you want to continue to walk with the Lord you don't want the world to tie. You don't want to go back to the way you were before. For those of you who are in Christ Jesus, and man, you're moving to another level spiritually, and you're like, I don't want to go back to where I was before. This is what he's saying to the church at Ephesus. He's saying, finally, be strengthened by how good of a person you are. No? Be strengthened by the fact that you are a highly religious, church-going person. No? Be strengthened by what? The Lord and his vast strength, we're talking about the strength that spoke this whole creation into creation. Holds everything together by the power of his word. Man, that is a vast power that, none of, that we can't grasp. We can't wrap our minds around that. And to think that my trouble's too big for him? This got out of his control that, that God's up there tooling his love saying, oh man, David really messed it all up. Man, that's a vast strength. It never so why do we keep, when you heard us pray over and over, students, when you were there and we were praying, and we were praying over and over, under the kingdom authority rule of Jesus, how many times did you hear that? Over and over. Why do we pray that? Because see, when we do that, we come under that vast strength. We submit our life to his strength. It's not mine. In and of myself, I am tremendously weak. I will wreck everything. Put on the full armor of God 
so that, so that you can stand, because apart from this, you will not stand. Because the devil's got some schemes. He's going to mess with your heart. He's going to tug at your heartstrings, make you think you're loving that person or that thing, whatever it may, that you got to have it, that you deserve it. For our struggle is not against other people, flesh and blood. Hey, listen, would you get that for a moment? You, listen, students, look at that. You think that person's your problem, and the Bible says it's not. So you got a person or some people right now, you think they are your problem, and the Bible says they're not your problem. Because your, your battle, your struggle is against rulers and against the authorities. Remember what the devil said a while ago to Jesus? He said, man, all the authority has been given to me. And against the cosmic powers of this darkness, this darkness we live in right now, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. That doesn't mean in heaven where God resides. That means like in the spiritual realm around us. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. It's not your truth, by the way. It's not the wisest person in the world's truth. It's the biblical truth. The Bible is the only truth. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And once again, it's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. See, now you are positioned in Christ. And he has given to you his righteousness. It isn't something that you behave your way into or you be a good person or you try harder and all of a sudden you become right. It's his righteousness. And your feet sandaled with the readiness for the God. I mean, I read that for years and years. And I was like, for the readiness of the God? Why does it say readiness? Once again, a Greek term that we have trouble translating over into English right here. This etomea say, what that means is, is it means to be nimble of feet, to be quick on your feet, to be ready to move at any time. Does that make more sense? It's like when the devil's got this stuff coming against you, it's like you're not just planted and you're just like right there and you're an easy target. It's like you gotta be ready to move. You gotta be ready to change back and forth. You gotta be ready and prepared. See, because for a Roman soldier at this time, this armor is taken from a Roman soldier. No doubt Paul was chained to one in prison when he wrote to the church at Ephesus and he's looking over to his armor and he's riding out the armor of God and he looks down and he sees the sandals that are on this Roman soldier and this sandal on his soles, he had spikes. And those spikes were so that whenever he's in battle and he's got somebody coming after those spikes, were, he's able to dig in and able to, you know, he's not going to slip on the ground. And then also another important thing is that he had very thick soles on these sandals. Because whenever he went into enemy territory, they, they, I mean, these are foot soldiers. they got to be able to get around. they got to be quick on their feet. So these thick soles, see what happened was that, that their enemies would put out little bitty spikes on the ground and cover them with leaves so that whenever, whenever a troop would come running in, they would step on those spikes and puncture their feet. You can't fight when you can't stand on your feet. That's why it says, do everything you can to stand, then stand. And he says, when he puts on this right here, it's because the enemy's got all these little traps under the leaves in this world. You know that, right? Some of y'all adults should be saying, amen, listen, kids. Because there's all kinds of things. You you, this life that you're going through, you've already experienced it to a great degree. But I'll tell you something. As you become an adult, you will find even more as you're walking out. And if you don't have on these shoes, 
Thick soles. Thick, S-O-L-E-S, souls. S-O-U-L, soul. Soul, you see what I'm saying? Because whenever I go out and I'm going to cut down some limbs and there's thorns all over those limbs, I don't go out there barefoot and do that with my chainsaw. I put on my work boots and I go tromping through those thorns and they don't bother me. See what I'm saying? You're going out into a world that's covered in thorns. And the Bible's saying that you better, have, you better be ready. You better be nimble. You better put on your feet. You better protect your soul. S-O-U-L. Protect that soul. With a gospel, interesting word, with the gospel of peace. Why does it say the gospel of peace when we're talking about spiritual warfare? Look at this. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's what happens. Whenever you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you come live under the authority rule of Jesus, then you just declared, or I should say, then the world and the flesh and the devil just declared war on you. You don't, get to choose. You, don't go, you don't get to say, hey, well, I want to be saved, but I don't want the world to be at war with me. It doesn't work that way. It's impossible. By default, when you get there, the world, the flesh, the devil is coming for you. And so we have peace with God. If you're at peace with God, then you're at war with the devil. The devil's at war with you. That's what it is. Now, listen, let me ask you something. If you have to make your choice today, which one do you want to be at peace with? Do you want to be at peace with the devil? Let me just tell you something. Here's what the devil does. The devil lures us into thinking that if when we're at peace with him, oh, it makes me feel good. I feel better. What a relief. And then what happens is, is that we start walking down this road. We're in sin, and we're like, oh, this is so much easier. What a relief. And then all of a sudden, the, listen, if you choose to sin, you choose to You choose to suffer. And the suffering comes, the consequences come. And whenever we trip into that, then the devil goes from going beside us with his arm around us, telling us how wonderful we are, how great we are, and this is so much better. See, you deserve this, this is wonderful, to jumping over on our back and hitting us over the back of the head saying, you sorry sinner, how can you call yourself a Christian? You were never saved. You were terrible. Look at this. Just kill yourself. Y'all should be saying amen a lot louder than that because that's the struggles these guys are struggling with right now and y'all being too quiet in the church house. But see, when you're at peace with God, then you've got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When everybody else fails you and falls off the wayside, he's right there with you. Never leave you. Never forsake you. Always strengthen you. Always hold you up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's not a little pithy Bible verse. That is a strong truth to live in. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let me ask you something. Has the evil one, has he shot some flaming arrows at you? Say amen if yes. Take on the helmet of salvation. Interesting. The helmet of salvation. 
Spiritual warfare is fought in your mind. The helmet, and interesting, they uses that as a helmet of salvation. Because you've been, listen, you're in Christ, you're saved. You got that? I mean, you're, you're, the Bible says you're sealed to the day of redemption. What the devil wants to do is get in your mind and mess you all up. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And look, look at this. Look at this. This is a, I'm going to a whole different book right here. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Look at how this, much of this sounds like what we're reading. The Bible over and over again says this. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Does that sound like what we just read in Ephesians a while ago? Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God, for the dem- demolishing of stronghold, demolition of stronghold. So think about this. See, we talk about this all. The stronghold is in your mind. Dem- listen, just taking that, just totally just demolishing it right there. How many of y'all would like to have those strongholds in your mind totally demolished for good? So how do we do that? How do we demolish these arguments and every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God? Take your phone out and take a picture of this one right here because you're going to want to remember it. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's verse 5. You need to know this verse, Christian. Every single one of you need this verse right here. Friend, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So every one of these students, when they would come up and they'd say, I'm struggling with my thought life, then we would pray that they'd come under the authority rule of Jesus. We'd pray that God would give them the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Oh, man, listen, you need to be able to recognize this whenever your thoughts go south. Right there in that moment, stop right there and say, okay, every thought's got to become obedient to Christ Jesus right now. Every one of you thought, and here's what happens. They have to obey. They have to, your thoughts have to obey the authority rule of Jesus Christ. They don't have a choice. But see, some of you let your your thought life just run wild with you. Some of you want your thought life to run wild, and then you're miserable in that. Like, I don't understand why I'm saved, I'm so unhappy. Let me tell you something. You know, I know I can get up here every week and say, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. You know, you hear your preachers do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. You got, this is one that you need, we all, not you, me. I exercise this verse more than any other verse throughout my day. When people start driving me crazy, when stuff starts grinding on my little lily white preacher gizzard, I start using this verse over and over again. Look at this. Pray at all times in the spirit. Can you pray too much, by the way? With every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession. So I'm going to tell you guys something. So just in case you think that when you went in there in those evening services, so for some of y'all, I know you haven't been at a church camp before. You go to church camp, and here's what happens. You get out of the world. They can't take, they couldn't have their cell phones. They weren't playing video games. They weren't watching television or movies. So what happens is, is that Monday night, it's kind of like they're all sitting there. They're, they're sitting there at our church time. They're all kind of like, hmm. And, and then that goes from that to Tuesday night to where they're like, hmm. Then it goes to Wednesday night where they're like on the edge of the seat. And then it goes to Thursday night and they're like, oh, God, like that. And, and so let me tell you something. Do you know what happened to you on Thursday? Is that every day you got a little more removed from the world. And so now you, some of you come back to the world. And you're wondering, why am I not feeling like I was? It is tough. 
to not let the world choke you out because that is exactly, somebody said, oh, oh, oh yeah, forgot, rabbit trail, here we go. So Tuesday night, we started getting a little better. So we got through with church on Tuesday night. We're going over to our church time, and all of our kids are walking out. And you got to know something about Jeff and I. We like to have a plan. We didn't have a plan. Jeff turns to me, and he says, hey, now, no, oh, yeah, so I'm sitting in church to start off with, and I'm in a bad place there on Tuesday night. I'm just in a bad place. And I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here in my, my spot like this right here, and I'm like, oh, God, I sure hope I don't have to do anything tonight. And I look up, and Jeff's right in my face. <laughs> and Jeff's and Jeff comes up and gets right in my face and goes, hey, David, can you tell us all the things? And I'm like, okay, yeah. I said, let's go outside. So we go outside, and, and I can hear him. And I'm like, okay, so Jeff says, hey, you know that activity we skipped to, today? You know, um, let's do that activity tonight. Can you lead that activity? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I can lead an activity, you know. So we go over there into our, our group, and we have all the kids line up across the room. It's called Walk the Line. And so what Walk the Line is is that I read off like 25, 30 things, and it said, so if you've ever struggled with your thought life, walk the line. So what they would do is they'd all walk out. They were facing each other. It's too long. And then walk down the line. And so it got from if you've ever traveled to a different country, walk the line, all the way down to if you've ever struggled with suicidal thoughts by the time we got through. And so it was an eye-open experience for them to see other kids struggling with the same things they struggle with. And then an eye-open experience for some of these kids who have lived a little pristine life in their little bubbles to see what a real struggle is of these kids that they spend every day with in school. And so when we got through with Walk the Line, we split them up into their little small groups there. And I was like, okay, good. I'm through. I don't have to do anything else. And after that, Jeff comes up to me and goes, hey, what are we going to do next? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. What are we going to do next? And he's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? It's one of those deals. You know, like when the couple's getting ready to go out, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? So I said, give me a minute to pray. And so I prayed, and I said, hey, Jeff, I got it. Come here. And so he comes back over, and I said, let's get them all. Let's put the rolls of the chairs back out, and I'm going to sit on the stage, and I'm going to get a chair beside me. And so I had no idea what we were going to do. So I sat down there, and I put the chair beside me. And I'm, I'm sitting there with the chair. Everybody's sitting there looking at me. I'm like, I know that that's the impression I feel, but I don't know what we're going to do. And then it was like, hey, Parker, come up here. Not right now, but come up here. And as Parker's walking up, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. So here's what I'm telling you. So the Holy Spirit just took over. And then the next night, we got through with our church time, and we're walking out of the tabernacle, and Jeff goes, hey, what do you want to do tonight? And I was like, I don't know, Jeff. What do you want to do? Jeff like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Every night that happened. Every night we walk over there, and we sit down, and like, we don't know what we're going to do. But we know one thing, we don't want to get in God's way. Amen. And we came down to Parker's night. Parker had this sermon Parker wanted to preach the last night. Man, he's like been waiting all year long to preach this sermon. And he comes to me, and on, on the last day on Friday, he goes, hey, David, he said, I know I got this sermon I'm supposed to preach and everything, but why don't you and Jeff do what y'all do every night? And I said, Parker, we don't know what we're doing every night. <laughs> so I'm telling you all this to tell you this. What you experienced there wasn't somebody making a plan and somebody being smart and smooth or whatever, knowing things. What you saw right there was you saw 
the Holy Spirit just take over and do what he wanted to do. And that's why you experienced what you experienced. It wasn't some man-made trick or something like that. That was just God and the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. But, thank God for the but. <laughs> Jesus says, there's another seed. There's another ground. But the one sown on the good ground, that's the good, soft heart. And listen, you can't do anything to make your heart soft. All you can do is pray and ask the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. And I hope you're praying that every day. If you're not, that's a new prayer for you right there. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, the logos, who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Hey, listen, this is our prayer for you students, that that seed that God put in your heart that you received there, that it's not just going to stop at camp. It's going to produce 160, I mean, it's over and over that other people will see the transformation taking place in your life, that other people, listen to me, will see that when they gossip about you, when they run you down, that it doesn't get to you. Instead of it destroying you, it develops you. And let me tell you something, that's when the Holy Spirit is transforming your life, when you no longer take it personally. Hey, listen. If you're sitting here today and you regret what you said in front of that group, I want to tell you something. That is not from God. You did the bravest thing you could ever do. You drug what the devil was using to keep in the dark, to destroy you. You drug it out into the light to expose it, to allow God to develop you. Listen, I pray for you that you will get to the point to where when people talk about you, you're not taking it personal and getting all upset, and people know my stuff, to where you're like, yeah, man, that's right. That's, that's my stuff. You know, that's it. It's all out there now. Devil can't use it against me anymore. It's all, listen, everybody needs to know that because that's my testimony. Yeah. Where does the Bible say that when you testify for Jesus that everybody loves you and it will go better for you? It says quite the opposite. So let me just close that expectation gap down for you right now. People are going to talk bad about you. People are going to make fun of you. That's what the Bible says called persecution. When you do something like that, you will be persecuted. But instead of destroying you, you can allow it to develop you if you look at it through the right lenses, a gospel lens. Listen, nobody is good according to the Bible. Jesus is the one that's good. All the rest of us are screw-ups. Here's what I want to tell you. All those people who gossip and talk about you behind your back, they got dirty little secrets too. And they got stuff they don't want anybody else to know about. But they're going to live with that pain, and the devil is going to use that against them. You, on the other hand, have exposed it. There's freedom in that. I live my life in total exposure, man. I mean, I've got brothers around me, my wife, my daughter, everything. Nobody can ever come up to me and go, David, we got you. What you got? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's true. I am that terrible. That's right. <laughs> we all know it. But man, when you live with those hidden little secrets, you're terrified that somebody's going to find you out. 
somebody's going to out you. So let me tell you something. You just got set free. Now, if you get mad when people talk about you, you're going back to bondage. You let that stuff go. Pray about that. Look back at the illustration here. This is how I get choked out by the world. But I want you to look at the bottom here. I can choke out the world by the power of God working through me. Get that right connection through prayer, Bible study. See, because prayer is the first one up here because prayer is essential. Prayer is what softens my heart and allows the Holy Spirit to transform me. And I put godly devotion in there because I need the Holy Spirit to change my heart to help me be devoted to God, to be devoted to the right people and the right things, and not to be devoted to the wrong people and the wrong things. Can anybody say amen in the church house this morning? Because my heart is going to try to get me to be devoted to the wrong people and to the wrong things. That will destroy me. And God's trying to help me to get devoted to the right things that will develop me. Listen, it's only by the power of his Holy Spirit. We can't do it. it, I mean, I know I sound like a broken record, and I am a broken record. I will say this so many times that you'll be like, oh, I'm sick of hearing David say that. And when when we get to that point, I'll be like, good. We finally got there. Because this is what we battle in our culture, and this is what these young people have been battling their whole life in this culture that they've grown up in that's highly judgmental and loaded with gossip. Listen, the reason I'm telling you parents this is because they are trying to change the culture, and they can't change it without your help. Listen, they learned this. This was taught to them. And so they're going to go battling against this. Hey, look, don't let them be battling against you. You should be working for them and not against them because they're trying to follow Jesus. And do you want to be the one that's going against what Jesus is trying to transform in their lives, in their culture, in their schools, in their homes? So some of our students, when they came up, they drug out some stuff into the light. They drug out addictions. Some of them have tried to commit suicide. Some of them have been abused in every way that you can be abused. And they drug that stuff out into the lot. One of them just decided to get up there. One of them came up to me. And we had the chair sitting out there. And she said, I want to share my testimony. And she said, it's rough. And I said, go over there to Melissa. Go outside. Let's get it edited. And you come back in. And so she did. She came in laid it out, and there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And, and it was like this. Have you ever seen one of those videos where someone walks up to an above-ground vinyl swimming pool with a knife, and they cut it, and the water gushes out and washes them away? That's what happened. 
It's like when she gave her testimony, it was like she grabbed the knife and went like that, and everybody got washed away. And everybody just came unraveled, totally out of control. And I want you to remind you of that moment whenever you wanted to come up there and you wanted to get all that stuff out into the light. The relief that you felt and the love that you felt from everybody else. Because, you know, here's Parker and Jeff and I. We're sitting up here in these chairs. And we're sitting in the chairs. And student sitting next to us. And I get depression or whatever, I don't know, call it what you will, to say, okay, anybody wants to pray, come on up here. And it was like you set out a bunch of ribeye steaks in front of teenage boys and say, first one gets here has one. It was like the, the, the chairs were going, and they were running up to the front to come up and put their hands and pray on each other. And the first time I was sitting down like this, and I almost felt like I was going to suffocate right here. And so then on out, I got up and said, now y'all come and pray if y'all want to. So I could get up here before I got suffocated. And they were coming up and crying and praying over each other. So I want to remind you what you felt in that moment. Don't let the enemy come and steal that seed away. Don't let what other people say and don't let in your mind what you think they say and what you think they think be the thing that steals that seed away in your heart and in your life. So we had some people make some decisions. Some made decisions to follow Christ for the first time, and some made decisions to recommit themselves. Some made decisions to serve and whatever it may be. So for all of y'all who made any kind of decision for the Lord this week, stand up right now. Okay, you can be seated. Except for you. You can't be seated. Come up here and make me feel short. <laughs> this microphone, who's got the sound system up there? This microphone on? Okay. Won't you tell them about your decision, brother? This is Christian, by the way. So tell them about your decision. All right. All right. So the weeks following church camp, um, I've been really struggling with um, my career path, and uh, my colleges were falling through, and um, it was just a really big struggle for me. And um, through church camp, God just really opened my eyes, and he's calling me to ministry. So I am... You know, I can't even begin to explain what happened that week. The way God moved was something we only experienced one time, maybe two times in our life. And I'm just here to encourage y'all to keep fighting. Man. 
Do not leave behind what God has done this past week. Don't do it. That is a regret that you will hold on your whole life. And I know that God is just going to use you all in such a powerful way. And um, I've decided that I'm going to preach in the lock-in. I want all y'all to be there. All right, so um, here's what I want you guys to do. I want y'all to um, stand up. Matter of fact, all the rest of y'all stand up too, please. So I want y'all to um, come on out here with me, all of you, all the students that went to student camp, come on out here with me. There's lots of room down here. Y'all guys, y'all want to come down this way? Y'all need to get to where y'all aren't stacked up so much. You can just kind of walk. You can go around the wall here if you need to. You can go around the wall over there. Just kind of, just Parker, back them up. We can go around the wall a little bit over there where you're not, where they're not two and three people deep over there. Let's try to get a single file line if we could. Come on, fireman. Get them in there. Let's go. So whenever we, um, hey, there's Jeff. He said, "Join us." So whenever we um, we started to offer for these students to come up to sit with us and we pray over them. I mean, I, I was I was surprised at how many came up. There wasn't the first night wasn't enough, we had enough time. Rolled over on the second night, and they wanted somebody to pray over them. So Parker and Jeff and I and I think we couldn't hold D back. I think she had to get up there and pray too. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity this morning. And you can you can stretch your hand out towards them if you want to and pray, or you can come down here and you can put your hand on their shoulder and pray over them. So I want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you do, if you would want to come up and pray over them, just to come on up right now and Let's have a time of prayer. So we got a few more students up here. No one's praying over them. So if you want to come up and pray, 
Look around here, see if you see any of the students that's not being prayed over. There's just a few down here on this end. Yes, oh God, we pray over our students this morning, oh God. God, we thank you for what you did in their life this past week. God, we thank you for the ones that were set free. The strongholds that you broke, oh God. The souls that were saved. The decisions that were made, the commitments that were made. God, we pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would not allow the world to choke out, the flesh to, check out, to choke out, or the devil to choke out, the seed that you planted in their hearts. God, we pray by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit that you would cultivate, soften, continue to soften their hearts and cultivate what you have planted in their hearts, God. Grow their faith. God, help them to see everything through gospel lenses. Put a desire in their hearts and in their lives for godliness, O oh God. Put a desire in their hearts to pursue you all the days of their life. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and minds when people, any kind of persecution against them, laugh at them, make fun of them, talk about them behind their backs. God, I pray that they will consider it, that you give them the ability to consider it pure joy when they face trials of various kinds, that they will see it as a time that you are developing them and they will not allow the enemy to destroy them. Yeah, we pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so you guys can go back, make your way back to your seat.